John, chapter 14, we're going to stop at uh, verse 7 today. And if you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible, you may. It's on page 108 in the New Testament section. <clears throat> Last week, we looked at God, the place. We looked at the place, and the place that God created at the very beginning of time, and how that place that God created at the very beginning shapes our life today. Well, now we're going to go to that end and look at heaven and how the kingdom of heaven, the place that God has created for us to be all eternity, how that shapes our life today. I invite um, you now to listen to God's word. Again, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes through Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Friends. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. We shape our buildings, and afterwards, our buildings shape us, Winston Churchill famously once said. You ever wonder why cathedrals have ceilings that are 100 uh, plus feet tall? What do you do when you walk into a cathedral like that? You look up. It's it's meant to convey awe and wonder. It's meant to to draw us all into worship. I wonder how our space of worship shapes us. What does it communicate about, about the people who built it, about us now? Stained glass windows, the wood around the ceiling, everything that we have placed in here. How about the Christian Ed building, the playground, the field, the community garden, Mission Annex? How about our website? In social media, they are now the front door to the church. How does our campus shape us? What does it communicate to our town? Beth Daniels, a Presbyterian pastor in Austin, says a church should be like an airport. Years ago, Beth and her husband, along with their seventh-month-old and two-year-old, were starting a brand-new church in their living room, scared, frustrated, anxious, and tired. 
about starting this new church. Her best mentor looked at her and he said, Beth, don't worry. Starting a church is not the destination. The church is never the destination. The church is an airport. Don't get me wrong, he continued. Airports, they're really important. They help and they guide people along the way on the journey. People who are on their way to somewhere else. Some airports are better than others. Uh, some airports are, are really good. The very best airports, though, are not the destination. Destination was what prompted our passage reading this morning. Right before our reading, Peter asked the question, Lord, where are you going? Keep in mind the context of this passage. This passage takes place right after the Lord's Supper. And many call this verse the very beginning of Jesus' farewell discourse. They've all shared a meal together. Jesus has washed their feet, given them this commandment to love one another. If that was not heavy enough, Jesus also tells them, one of you will betray me. And that betrayal will lead to my rest, eventually my death. And by the way, Peter, you, Peter, the one I said my church will be built on, the one I call the rock, when I'm arrested, Peter, you will deny me. So often, we want this passage to be as if Jesus is speaking to a room full of Buddhists or, or Hindu or, or atheist, addressing the question, who will be saved, Jesus? But the people in the room, the people in that very room that night, were his friends. The ones closest to him, they were his disciples. And they were bewildered. And they were lost. And they were grieving with what was about to take place. This passage is not a conversion passage. This passage is Jesus comforting. This is Jesus encouraging. The key verse to the passage is not verse 6. We'll get to that later. The key verse to this passage is verse 2. It's a topic sentence to Jesus' whole farewell discourse. And it speaks to our theology. It's in my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? In other words, God has shaped the building. Now afterwards, that building is shaping us. That building, that place, that place is what we call heaven. We tend to hear about heaven and then most of the time when someone dies, we um, talk about all the streets of gold, dancing angels, bodies restored. The King James Version even teases us with mansions. We picture beautiful weather. Carolina blue skies, Lillington-type springs, choirs singing. It's sheer paradise. And there's nothing wrong with any of those images. And for all we know, that's exactly what heaven is like. But in describing heaven 
In John 14, you know what Jesus says? Where I am, there you will be also. That's it. He doesn't focus on what our houses will look like or the, or the streets. He doesn't even suggest that some HOA will cover this or we need insurance to, to get into here and to protect us for that. He doesn't talk about rocking chairs on a front porch or anything else. He talks about the company. We'll be together with the one who embodied the love. The one who wipes away every tear and says that death shall be no more. Heaven will be filled with love because God is love. Be with the one who is the way and the truth and the life. When Jesus says, I am the way, remember again the context of this setting. Jesus is taking place the night before he got arrested. The next day, Jesus will be headed to a cross. The way that Jesus talks about is the cross. Jesus is headed to a place of self-fulfillment, yes. But also a place of sacrifice and self-denial. And everyone. Everyone in the entire world, including his disciples, thought that cross was the final destination. But it turns out that cross was just an airport. Jesus going to the cross reveals to us God is in total solidarity with humanity. Even and most importantly in our suffering, in our wondering, in our loss, in our grief, God is there. And it's the job of the church, the people, the structure, the online presence to point to God's solidarity as we travel along the way. I wonder, I wonder how is the kingdom of heaven shaping you along the way? I am the way. I am the truth. Find out what truth that Jesus is talking about. Remember what Jesus just told his disciples. I give you a new commandment, Jesus says. Just as I have loved, you also should love one another. And how does Jesus love? Jesus loved by seeing everyone. Everyone. As a child of God. The truth that Jesus is talking about is everyone in this room is a child of God. That everyone that you meet on the streets is a child of God. That meant something. In Jesus' day, a colleague of mine recently recounted, it meant that when women were often treated like property, Jesus treated them like people, like a child of God. It meant that when the Samaritans were seen as enemies, Jesus treated them like friends, like a child of God. And it means something to you and to me today. When we see those pictures of long, long lines of borders, no matter your position on immigration, those people are precious children of God. 
when social media is used to break people down instead of build people up, we must remember that the truth that Jesus taught every one of those people are precious children of God. In his book, Tattoos of the Heart, which would be our summer book club reading, shameless plug, I'm sorry. Father Greg Bull once put it like this. The wrong idea has taken root in the world. The idea is this. There just might be some lives out there that matter less than others. Bull, as many of you know, runs Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles, helping gang members to get out of gangs. He speaks the truth on the way to new life. So Bull was traveling to give speeches about his work. On one occasion, he took Richie and Chepe with him. They went to a restaurant called Coco's. Coco's was, as Bull puts it, one notch above Denny's and one notch below everywhere else. And when they walked in, they encountered a hostess who had made no secret at all about the fact that she strongly disapproved of Bull's tattooed dinner companion. She didn't move behind that hostess station. She just kind of waited for them to turn back around and go somewhere else. And, of course, this made Bull furious. Instead of leaving, he played some game of charades with her. He played dumb. He, as he, as she just didn't know what they were doing there and as she just looked at them he started holding up the finger three he just started holding up the finger three then he started making eating motions with his hands and then he started pretending like to sit down he kept going <laughs> and finally she grabs three menus and takes them back to the back of the restaurant where there is no diners nearby everyone's looking at us Richie whispers oh we don't belong here Chip A chimes in don't be ridiculous sit down we're going to have our meal and their discomfort lasted just for a short while until the waitress came. For whatever reason, she was a whole different person, that hostess. And all the other diners there, she put her arms around Chepe and Richie, and she talked with them, she joked with them, she asked them how their lives were doing. She called them sweetie and honey, and she brought them refill after refill after refill without them ever asking. What this waitress did not know, what she could have never have known was this is Chepe and Richie's first time ever in a restaurant where they sat down and someone served them. She treated those boys like they were her favorite customers. And after they left, one of them said with satisfaction and wonder, she treated us like we were somebody. Son, Bull replied, she was Jesus in the apron. Jesus in the apron. And not a bad description of church. And perhaps exactly what Jesus meant when he said, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one another. I wonder, where is the kingdom of heaven shaping truth in your life today? I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. It's the life which leads us to face the suffering and the death of the cross with the hope of life that is transforming by an Easter 
even when there's no lilies in sight. There was once a church group that was gathering together with folks sharing about times in their life where they felt God's presence close by. And, and the group was a dancer in a professional ballet company. She spoke haltingly and she reminded the group that she was raised in that congregation. She described the sanctuary and said that when she was baptized as an infant in that very font right there, her father would often describe the day that she was baptized. He would describe her baptismal dress and everything that she wore. He would talk about all the hymns they sung there and the, and the sermon that was preached. And then he would just clap his hands and clap his hands. And he would say, oh, sweetheart, sweetheart, sweetheart. The Holy Spirit was in that church that day. But she never forgot that. And what her father said. In fact, as a child, she would sit there and worship on Sunday morning with her parents. And she would think to herself, where's the Holy Spirit? I wonder where they're hiding that Holy Spirit my dad talks about. Is it there in the, in the stained glass windows? Maybe it's in the ceiling. Maybe the Holy Spirit's in the water or in the candle. And she would look around and ask, where are they keeping that Holy Spirit? And then she paused and said, as many of you all know, I lost both my parents to cancer in the same week, a, a terrible week last winter. One afternoon during that awful week, I was driving home from the hospital and I passed by the church. I came in and I sat there in the very back pew. And I began to pray. The church was dark, and it's just shadows. I, I prayed, and I poured out my grief to God, questioning God, questioning God's existence, questioning my own existence. I cried, and I cried, and I cried. From the bottom of my heart, I just cried. The, a member of the church was in the kitchen preparing a meal for the church meeting, and she was, saw me praying, and she knew exactly what was going on in my life. And with her apron still on, and she came back and sat beside me in that pew. She held my hand, and we prayed together. It was then that I knew where the Holy Spirit was in that church. It was then that I was thankful that this church pointing not only to the life of Christ, but also the way and the truth. If you want to know what place that Jesus has prepared for you looks like, I invite you to look at the life of Jesus Christ. You remember you, you remember that crowd that was so hungry that there was no food in sight and Jesus fed them with so much with their leftovers? According to Jesus, that is what the kingdom of heaven is. Remember when Jesus took his friend Lazarus. He was dead as a doornail and called him out of the tomb. And that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You remember that day when Jesus took that towel and he began to wash his disciples' feet and then he took that cross and he headed up that hill to give his life away. That is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And do you remember in your own life when you were down and your heart was troubled 
and someone came to you and someone waited on you and when someone sat beside you and when someone wrote you that note and that note said we love you we you do not have to carry all this is that you're going through on your own I will be with you every step of the way. That is the truth. Because your life is that important. When you got that note, you knew it. That is what the kingdom of heaven is like. God has shaped the kingdom of heaven to be like that. And God is shaping you and me and our entire church to be just like 